Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Yogi Aaron and Yogi Aaron is the creator of a revolutionary approach to yoga, Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation or IAMA. He's also the host of the yoga podcast, Stop Stretching and author of his autobiography of a naked yogi and his new book, Stop Stretching, a new yogic approach to master your body and live pain-free. As the co-owner of Blue Osa Yoga Retreat and Spa in Costa Rica, Yogi Aaron also leads yoga teacher trainings year-round for students from across the globe. So through all of these various platforms, Aaron's aim is to help as many people as possible live a pain-free life so they can fulfill their true purpose. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks for having me. We got here. Yay. Yes, I'm so thrilled. I said earlier, today was a really timely moment to have this conversation. It ties in with the fact that my wife and I have both been not nearly as active as we would like to be. We've been entrenched in our business endeavors and really trying to strike that balance and find that rhythm so you can do all of the things that you want to do and particularly caring for yourself. And as I've gotten older, I've recognized, you know, how much more my body's telling me about what I'm not doing right. If I'm not, if my posture's not good, if I'm not stretching enough, or maybe I am stretching enough, but I'm not <laughs> stretching right, or I shouldn't be doing it. And so when I was younger, I, or sorry, I would always say when I was younger, I wish I'd stretched more because I feel like that would change the way things are now. But your philosophy is... <laughs> possibly going to make me feel less badly about the fact that I haven't been stretching this whole time. <laughs> so um, I thought maybe we could get started with a little bit about what your personal experience with chronic pain was and how that really led you down this path of lead, leaning into the applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation side of what you're doing. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was like you, you know, when I was much younger, when I was about 18, I, you know, growing up in Canada, um, I was really into dog sledding, snowshoeing, uh, trail running, cross country skiing, um, ice hockey, soccer. I mean, I was very active, was very athletic. Um, I wouldn't say I was the best, but I was definitely, you know, at the topper echelon of fitness. And, but when I was 18, I started noticing that I was starting to tighten up. And I kind of looked around and I specifically to my grandparents, but to older people. And I noticed that there were some common characteristics and, you know, like older people that looked old kind of walked a certain way. They kind of walked hunched over, mm-hmm. seemed to have to like, instead of looking over their shoulder, they kind of had to turn their whole body. To yeah. Other way. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, interesting. And I kind of at that moment of 18 had that insight, like, well, movement or mobility is the key to staying young. Um, But the word I used at that moment was flexibility. 
And so where do you go to become flexible? You go to a yoga class. And keep in mind, this is like around 1991, 92 in Vancouver. So yoga wasn't what it is today at all. It is not what it was. So when, you know, yoga was offered in two places, it was offered in like, you know, gyms by Mm -hmm. people who had no idea what they're doing. And most of them still don't, but that's another conversation Um, or people in yoga studios. And, but then back then yoga studios were kind of like this kind of like place where, you know, the potheads go, or, you know, they always Put, put incense is weird, you know, it's just a weird place. Does it feel like a little woo woo for lack of a better term? <laughs> yeah. So a friend of mine was actually teaching a yoga class and he was really more of a stretch and tone class. And that was sort of what got me into it. But it, it, as soon as I started getting into yoga, one of the things, when I say yoga right now, I'm talking about stretching that one of the things that happened almost immediately was I hurt myself. And like hurt my back really badly. In fact, it seized up. And so I had to kind of stop everything and rest it, which was a really foreign concept to me. Like what? I have to stop. Yeah. I have to rest my body. I have to heal something. And the, you know, one of the things that was kind of interesting as I reflect back on it is that I started developing this ego of, I am a person with a bad back. Can you imagine like being in your early 20s and announcing yourself to the world like, oh, I have a bad back. I mean, you know, it's. I mean, I can't imagine it because I have said that about my knees because I was really active (laughs) in sports when I was younger and I was a goalkeeper for soccer and I played basketball um, and the combination of just constantly hitting the the ground or jumping so much. it actually kind of blows my mind that the pain that I've felt since stopping sports hasn't maybe even been worse than it is, but I'm very glad to be talking to you because I feel like I might start getting some answers (laughs) to these problems and I'll make it out to Costa Rica so I can talk to you in person about this. (laughs) Absolutely. So I started like, you know, it was kind of a chain reaction from there. I just started developing more and more problems and Um, In my early 30s, I started developing like neck pain, which ended up shooting like dagger like pain down my arm, Mm -hmm. my fingertips. And nobody could, you know, the answer all the time was, oh, stretch it out. You need to open your shoulder girdles. You need to stretch your hamstrings. You need to open your hips. Your back is too tight. Nobody ever addressed the real problem of what was actually causing the tightness. And then flash forward, you know, about five years ago, so 25 years into my yoga journey, I ended up in an orthopedic surgeon's office who was saying to me, like, I might need a spinal fusion in my lower back. Wow. And that was kind of like, that was a big light bulb moment because I had to really come face to face with the fact that maybe what I was doing wasn't working and I had to look for some other answers. And that kind of, that led me into this whole kind of, um, the short story is it led me into muscle activation technique, which is a kind of systemology developed by Greg Roscoff, which looks at identifying muscle weakness. What is the causes of muscle weakness? And then getting those muscles to start working properly And the interesting thing is that when we start to get muscles working properly, we all of a sudden decrease pain. 
Well, why is that? Well, the pain is the result of inflammation. So you're saying with your knees that you had a lot of pain. Well, there was a lot of inflammation mm-hmm. that was caused by stress, trauma, and overuse, physiologically speaking. We're yeah. not getting into the mental stuff. For the yeah, record. that's a totally separate no. issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's out of my lane. So, so, but when we have stress, trauma, and overuse at a joint, there starts to become inflammation. Well, why is that stress there? Well, it's always there because the joints aren't being supported properly. And so you start to create like a lot of stress, which then results in inflammation. And I started studying this technique and also experiencing it in my own body. What I started to notice was I was starting to get stronger. Um, like one example too, like you, I actually had to hang up my hiking shoes at 30 and because of my knee issues. Mm-hmm. And um, now I can actually hike again without a knee brace. I, I needed a little bit of a knee brace for a while, but now I'm 51 and I'm actually stronger and more resilient than I was before. I really appreciate that explanation. It's super informative. And when you describe the strengthening of the muscles, I had gotten in a car accident when I was, I guess, maybe like my late 20s. Um, It was minor, but my back and my shoulder have sort of never been the same since then. And I remember when I went to physical therapy, one of the biggest things that the PT said was, you really need to strengthen your muscles to make sure that like you, you have this continued use. And you also need to be very mindful of not overextending your joints where the this impact has happened because especially with my shoulder like those things can those things can pop out you know so i'm trying to reduce the likelihood of that happening and so i'm wondering from your perspective do you see um an intersection of what sort of the applied anatomy and muscle activation side of things and what sort of we would think of typically as physical therapy oh absolutely i mean I'm going to kind of, I'm kind of walking into sort of interesting territory because I have an opinion about a lot of physical therapists. I think some of them are dialed in and some are not, and some are teaching by rote, meaning like they just kind of regurgitate stuff that they don't really understand. Mm -hmm. I find like a lot of people just don't, for some reason, and I don't know why this is kind of my questions is don't want to acknowledge like basic muscle function that we learned in, in grade school, for God's Mm -hmm. sakes, we learn like muscles need to shorten in order to do two things. They need to shorten to move bones. So, you know, we're both sitting, if we stand up, a bunch of muscles need to shorten in order for our skeletal system to stand up Mm -hmm. Uh, when we're walking certain muscles that need to shorten to bring a leg forward. And there are certain muscles that need to shorten to bring the leg back as we're kind of, you know, pushing off. And, And then muscles also stabilize joints. So when you had your accident, I would surmise this, this would be kind of my take on it. And I think this is a good general rule that what accidents do is they kind of exacerbate already current issues. Mm -hmm. I've always had weak hip flexors that have caused me a lot of back problems. Now, I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I didn't know that until like, you know, about five years ago, it was like, oh my God, this is really the problem. Yeah. But when I ended up in a horrible accident and broke my leg, 
that just triggered even or exacerbated all these other issues that were already present. So with you, yes, you had this trauma and we also, the word, I don't really like to use the word strengthen so much as getting the muscles to start working properly. Um, because if a muscle isn't working properly, you can never get to a stronger state. You can never strengthen a muscle that's already weak and staying weakened. Mm -hmm. And so our, our language or from an Ayama perspective, or even an MAT perspective, a weakened muscle is a muscle that's not connected to the brain. It's not connected. So when you're, when you're bend over, for example, and you pick up like some dropped keys on the floor, when you bend over, the brain should be telling all these muscles to shorten, which muscles, all the muscles in the front body, they all need to shorten properly in order for those muscles to contract and stabilize your body. If they're not stabilizing, what's going to happen? Other muscles will start getting recruited. And if people have weak back muscles, uh, which most people do, that's why some people, when they like just simply bend over to pick something up, they throw their back out. They, yeah. they hurt their back a lot. Or you also hear about people that just sneeze and their back goes out. So that's like a system that's really compromised. Um, and neurologically speaking, that the brain is not able to tell those muscles, hey, you got to do your job. You got to contract. And so most of us are walking around with like 50% of our muscles that are not actually contracting properly. Uh, can you imagine what your life would be like if you got all those muscles in your body working properly and how supported that would make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like what you were describing too with that hip flexor pain is something that uh, I would say arguably my hip pain is probably the worst that I have. I've done things to try to work through that. I've done, you know, massage therapy and whatnot, sure. but I'm not, I'm completely candid, not a regular practice. Uh, I don't have a regular practice of yoga and I rarely stretch. I'm already somebody who has not made that consistent decision. And conversations like this open me up so much more to it because the thought is, well, I don't feel like it, or I've got a lot going on or whatever, you know, right. We'll keep making excuses, making excuses. And it's like, but my body hurts. <laughs> like, What if I can make my body stop hurting, you know? And if I'm going to yeah. do the work, which I constantly talk about, it's like, we have to do the work. We have to do the work. And I see so much of it as like, okay, well, I go to therapy and I'm doing the work and I'm, you know, trying to meditate more. And so I'm doing the work and it's like, why do I eliminate the consistency when it comes to our physical body, which is such a hard requirement for all those other things to really remain active as well. It's just interesting how we can negotiate with ourselves and sort of push the important stuff to the side and then only really revisit it once it's insufferable. Like, don't let it become insufferable. Do you have advice for people like me who are believers that we can do it and want to do it, but are just like not kicking ourselves in the ass to go get it done? <laughs> you know, that expression, youth is wasted on the young. Yes. And, um, and so a lot of us have this immortality complex. We don't know or don't want to, you know, acknowledge the fact that this body needs maintenance, just like a car needs maintenance. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I have a magic pill, except to say 
that you just have to, it's just something you have to have like so strongly embedded in your mind. Like, yes, this is my temple. I'm going to commit to, you know, taking care of it and bring my car in to get service. Yeah. Uh, I'm also bad at that though, just to be candid. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. (laughs) But yeah, you know, that's, I don't have any kind of advice. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, and I always tell people like with the Ayama practices, you just need minimum eight minutes a day. I mean, if you can do eight minutes a day, probably bang out about four, you know, four muscle activations in eight minutes, that's going to be invaluable. Your body is going to start to feel enormously different. And then some days, you know, you spend a little longer and some days you spend a little less. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I don't really feel like it, but I know I need to do three things. So I get down on the floor and I do three things and I stand up and I'm like, oh my God, new body already. Just little bit of stuff. And, you know, in the world of muscle activation, it's nothing like really extreme. Like, for example, and this is something I've been starting to do more just myself, because I have a whole shoulder and neck regime. But you know what, just kind of like taking your shoulders up towards your ears, and then bringing them back really slowly making Mm -hmm. circles, all of a sudden, you're starting to connect the brain to all those muscles that mm-hmm. are in the shoulders, your trapezius, your rhomboids, your pecs, your serratus anterior, all these muscles that are responsible for holding the shoulders together and which inevitably leads to supporting the neck. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I can look over my shoulder a lot more easier. Yeah, because your muscles um, have improved their ability to contract. So just kind of doing simple things like that. Um, you make it palatable, you make it palatable. And I think that's the hardest part, right? Is we're so busy. We don't have time for it, quote unquote, but we do have time for it. We're just not making time for it. And it goes, I think, along with the mindset, as you said, it, it is really, okay. It could be eight minutes, right? Eight minutes is so completely reasonable. We just went to the gym before, um, before hopping on this episode with you. And I was like, it's so easy. Like, why don't, like, why, why do we delay going when we know it makes us feel better when we waited for our bodies to tell us that we hadn't been to the gym and we needed to go. I could feel it in my hips. I said it as I was driving back and I was like, this episode that I'm recording is so important for me to hear today, (laughs) let alone everybody else who's listening, because we need to pay attention to our bodies before we feel like our bodies are failing us. And when we feel like our bodies are failing us, we need to pay extra attention to it. And as you're saying, right, make that commitment. And psychologically speaking, I know that the hardest part, any task that we need to complete, right, it is getting started. But as soon as you're in the headspace of I'm going to do that, then it becomes so much easier to be consistent with it. Even you and I had spoken last time when we had our intro call about the importance of meditation and affirmations. And that's something that in the past, probably like two or three months, I realized I'm so miserable waking up every morning and it's not, maybe not even miserable, anxious, anxious about everything that's to come in the day. And so that's creating this sort of internalized misery. And I was like, you know what? I'm not a morning person. I'm not going to keep pretending that I can be, but what I can do is change the way I approach the morning. So before I even get out of bed, not every single day because sometimes I do hit snooze too much, 
But on the days that I don't, which is like more than nine times out of 10, I would say, you know, I lay there and I have a meditation and morning focus playlist that I'm like, I will listen to one of these because I know that I have time to do that. And then I will come back and feel more centered and be able to have a more productive day. And it's those incremental things that you do consistently, as you said before, it's like the compound effect. It can work both ways, right? It's like if you don't do it for long enough, then you're going to feel the effect of that. And if you do it for long enough, you'll also feel the effect of that. So when you think about what you're doing with your practice and how you're teaching people, um, what do you feel is like the most fulfilling aspect of that work? Because you're probably, I imagine, watching people kind of reach this point of transformation on their journey that you at some point reached on your own. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Kind of backing up one second. So I think that especially in American culture, uh, you know, North American, Western culture, that we kind of feel like, again, we have this sense of immortality. And then when something's wrong, you know, we can have surgical intervention and the doctor is somehow going to magically fix it. My friend who's a podiatrist, um, he sees, especially when he was, was, had his practice in Jersey, New Jersey, and he constantly would see people that were diabetic and, um, and needing to get their, probably would need to get their foot amputated. And he's like, look at, we can still turn this around. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And nobody would do it. So there's something that within us, and I don't know if it's, if it's a Western thing or if it's just a human thing, probably a little bit of both, um, where we need to kind of wake up and go, really, like, be honest with ourselves. And a lot of people, I don't know that they want to have that honest conversation about, no. I mean, a better version of themselves. So that's one thing to put a pin in. Because it Another requires thing, more of us, right? Like, it requires yeah. us to be uncomfortable to then feel the result of the work and then find that place of comfort. And because it's not an immediate gratification, it is so yeah. much harder to get your head in the space of, oh, I'm going to do this because I understand the impact. It's like, no, I want to do this and immediately see the impact. And yes. that's not, in some cases that's feasible, but when it comes to your body, it, it's just not, you, it, it is so much the the practice and the consistency and the willingness to your point and what you really practice and, and teach is understanding it enough to do what's right for you when you need yeah. it. Well, yeah. And, and understanding like developing a sense of the sacred, like the, the body, you know, depending on, on your spiritual beliefs, but the body is the manifestation of the divine and is what carries us through life. Mm -hmm. One of the facts of, of today's culture is that we're living longer. Like I, I went to Disneyland last year for Disney World, sorry, for my birthday, my 50th birthday. It was such an amazing, oh my God. But one of the things that blew my mind was how many people were in those scooters. And there's a few thoughts that I had, but one was, my God, you've given up so quickly. Two, you know, if you're 50 and driving around in a scooter and needing that, God bless you. Um what are you going to, are you going to spend the next 40 years of your life driving around in the scooter? And, and the other thought that went through my mind was like, all of a sudden your, your experience of life starts to narrow dramatically. Like yeah. what you can and can't do 
unless you're at Disney World, because they're accommodating to everybody. But <laughs> in your experience of life, like I love hiking. You can't take a scooter up the Matterhorn in Switzerland. You know? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Can't. So our so that's what kind of drives me and and brings me a lot of joy, actually, is when I see people who are in pain. Um, I mean, I've been getting so many emails lately from people who've been doing my, it's a free seven-day pain-free series. Mm-hmm. And so there's just like one little, one little thingy dingy each day, like just a little thingy dingy, eight minutes. Um, but I kind of go through and start teaching people like well, this is what causes hip flexion. And this is, if we get this muscle working, you're probably going to um, decrease your your hip pain a lot. The joy is to see people getting out of pain and being able to live their best life. I have a friend of mine who just had a baby um, about a year ago and is going down to Argentina to run, you know, a 26 mile marathon. And she hasn't run in a long time, but she said to me, that she, with the muscle activations that I've been teaching her and she stopped stretching and she's just been doing like the muscle activation stuff. She feels stronger than she did when she was in her twenties. And this is after, you know, not running for a few years, having a baby. And now she's picked it up again and she feels more alive in her body. And that for me is like the juice. Like, yeah, like, what I love to hear is when people are starting to get their bodies back in like a way that feels really empowering and purpose centered. Yeah. And you know, what I really love about that philosophy, you had made the comment around sort of this manifestation of the divine. And I've been extremely um, interested in spirituality more so in the last couple of years than ever before, especially since losing my mom, but also my wife is very spiritually connected and intuitive. And so I've opened my mind to a lot of things that I maybe had interest in previously, but didn't ever feel like, I don't know, why would I, why would I follow that interest? And so it resonates a lot with me because I do feel like you need to feel at home in your body. You need to feel safe within your body. And it is so valuable when you have that, not only that security in yourself, but that strength that you're talking about and to feel revitalized by the things that you're doing to connect to your body and connect your brain and your body and connect your brain and your spirit and your body, which is, I think, really from what you've shared with me in our conversations and what I've seen in just kind of prepping for the episode and looking at your practice and everything is that it really is about integrating these parts of yourself so that your life is more it gives you more ability to flow with your life. Like my grandparents are in their nineties on my dad's side. My mom's had both passed, but his parents in their nineties are so cognitively aware by comparison to most people that I I'm familiar with that have made it to that age, but they're also like still relatively active. Now they're not like working out and stuff. They're not those people, but (laughs) they're, but they're active, you know, and, and a big part of it has been like my grandfather constantly like wanting to learn, wanting to know more things. The fact that my grandparents in their 90s know how to use FaceTime is just like, you know what, more credit to you guys for even just wanting to try it. But it is part of that youthfulness that we have to bring to our everyday life, regardless of what our age is, because if we convince ourselves that we're old and we can't do something, then we're going to fall into that mindset of, I can't, I'm incapable. And, and you're telling yourself what that narrative is. And I think with pain, as you described in the beginning, is like, you're like, oh, well, I have a bad back. I have a bad knee. I have a bad hip. Like I can 
talk about those things and understand that perfectly. And then I think, but I can do other things to reshape that story. And I feel like the conversation that we're having, I hope will open people's eyes to the fact that the things that we've been told to do or the things that we think that we're doing are right might not even be, they might be, some of the things might be good and they might be right and they might be working for you. But we also have to remain really open-minded to what the potential is. And I feel like having heard your story and the way that you've come to where you are now, it it seems to me, and I'd love for you to share a bit about this, but you know, do you feel like you kind of let the possibilities um, just sort of be endless and then follow like what felt right to you throughout your experience? Because I think we also sort of stop what we're doing and decide like, I guess this is the path that I'm on. And so that's the way that I'm going to go. <laughs> that's a loaded question. It is a very loaded uh, question. So you can answer um, whatever part of that feels right to you. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, I, part of, I think part of the problem of why so many people are wandering through life aimlessly. And I think that's a very, you know, I think that's, that's true for a lot of people is they're just like cork bottles in an ocean. And part of what I've come to learn is that through, especially through practicing yoga is that the key to all of it, to unlocking clarity is just getting still. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at, at Blue Osa, my yoga retreat here in Costa Rica, and when I'm leading the yoga immersions, the 14 day and then the 28 day, but part of it is practicing morning silence, you know, and, and not talking um, during the immersions. We don't actually practice, you know, we practice silence until eight o'clock. Um, and then I'm talking. <laughs> so they're still quiet. But um, but it's, you know, how many people come to these immersions looking for their purpose? Like, I just don't know what I'm doing in my life. I feel lost. I feel like I don't live in my body. Um, I don't know what my next step should be. I just finished this huge, you know, university, master's, whatever. And now I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And so my goal for this training is to get clarity or to get like, to understand my purpose. And I, if I can just get that one thing, I'll be happy. And gosh, darn it, within two or three days, most of them report back that they have that answer. Why is that? Because we got still. It's not like an unkind stillness. We just practice silence you know, watch the sunrise, listen to nature. It's, you know, those are the magic ingredients at the end of the day. And, and so when we give ourselves space to just slow down and go inward, all of a sudden this heaviness of confusion of from life, you know, the confusion that stems from politics, from social media, from you know, this, this kind of like attitudes and mores that keep developing in the mm -hmm. world. Who am I? And all, you know, and then our, our discussions with our friends and, and then our loved ones. And, you know, the list goes on. There's all these things distracting us and it's neither right or wrong. It just is right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's just giving ourselves space 
to be like the lotus flower. You know, my teacher always uses that analogy of like the lotus flower coming back into the mud and regenerating. And then when we're ready, we emerge from the mud blooming to connect with our higher consciousness. And so we need to kind of come back into the mud and, and pull the senses inward. So that's that's kind of like the secret to getting your purpose. And one of the things that you said was staying open, which is the tantric philosophy. Like I'm opening myself up to the universe of limitless possibilities. So we are also staying really aware of like not being in our box. Yeah. Um, but but then also like when things do come into our space and in before our call, you were telling me, sharing some of the, the ideas you have. And the question that I would just pose is like, you know, really challenge yourself to say those ideas, do they really serve my life purpose? Do they mm -hmm. really serve, you know, the track that I'm on? And during my journey, I had the opportunity to take over. So I lived in New York. I had a studio. I was opening up a yoga retreat center in Costa Rica, but an opportunity came up to open up an LA studio, which I did. But oh my God. So I was like, is this really my purpose or is it something else? Well, I just decided to jump into it, but it ended up being this huge distraction, which drained so much of my vital resources. And I, I realized afterwards it was really about my ego. You know, it's like my ego says yes to everything. My ego, you know, wants more and to conquer the world of yoga and blah, blah. blah. And so, you know, but that takes a little bit of honesty and, and self-reflection so that I know when stuff like that comes up again, you know, I have to ask myself, is this really going to, is this really in alignment with my purpose and is it going to serve? And if not, then maybe just pass on to something else. Yeah, that's really good advice. I feel like that is something that can be very difficult to do, especially when you are trying to build something for yourself, <clears throat> because you want to seemingly achieve all of the things that will propel you forward. And when it's a little bit of a trial and error point in time, you can easily have those distractions, like you're saying. And I, I actually was talking to my therapist about this on Friday because I said it was weird. I had never addressed this. It was just sort of something that I, I knew. Um, but like growing up, you know, you grow up uh, when, when I was a kid, it was like, okay, you go to school in high school, you go do the things that you're supposed to do, do all the extracurriculars and get into the college. Then you go to the college and then you do all the things there and then you can get the job. Well, I graduated in 2008 when the economy crashed and it was like, oh yeah, none of that stuff you did actually mattered at all. And I was reflecting on this in therapy, talking about how I feel a bit like my tech career really kind of took that path because I ended up in this really crazy economy where I had to kind of just figure out what skill set do I have that can be applied somewhere else. And I took that and I rode with it. But now I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, but just because it interests me doesn't mean it fulfills me. And you need to make the distinction about what really is, as you said, serving your true purpose. And to do that, you need to understand what that purpose is. And that purpose can change, right? Like it's not to say that like you only ever have like one, like one focal point that will always and forever be that. But you, I think, know viscerally when something fills your soul or not. And in my experience, it is the things that fill your soul that often end up surprising you 
um, with the abundance that comes from them if you follow it. Do you feel like that's been your experience as well? I mean, you've, you've clearly made something quite amazing for yourself in the practice that you're doing and the retreat that you've created. So do you think that was um, as much as it was your action towards those things, also a bit of the subconscious manifestation of that as well? Absolutely. I, I mean, but I'm constantly every day still evaluating you know, what is my purpose? What am I meant to be doing? So I think that, you know, this idea of purpose, you get clarity and you take steps, but it's always important to come back and ask the question, am I really living my purpose? And, you know, we can live like a seemingly very fulfilled life, which happened to me. And I was in around 2015. So going back now, seven years, but there was a discontentment inside of me. There was something that was not content. And, and I sat with it for a long time, um, kind of questioning, like, where what is this discontentment about? Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of a longer story. So this is the short story, but the short, simplified story. But I what I realized was, yeah, I had this retreat. I had these things you know, living the dream, quote unquote, but I was not stepping up in life as big as I should have been. Mm -hmm. So once I started to realize that, you know, then the question is, well, how am I supposed to step in life? And well, I'm supposed to teach. So before when I was in in New York, I had a studio, I was constantly teaching, I was on the road, traveling and teaching all the time. When I started Blue Osa, all of that just stopped cold turkey. Like I was no longer a teacher. I wasn't presenting these teachings. And that's what I'm really passionate about. So, you know, when we feel that discontent, it's not a it's not something that we should run away from or that we should um bury per se. Or some people do the opposite, like I'm just unhappy. Yeah. I, you know, and then they project that, right? But from a yogic perspective, it's much more interesting to go, well, what is really the unfulfilled desire behind that discontentment? What what is really going on? And once we start again, it takes time and space. It doesn't happen like right away sometimes. But when we start to give that space, we can start to unravel you know, the hidden does I call it the unfulfilled desires of the heart, which is always going to guide you back to your purpose. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I, I think that that can resonate in so many different scenarios too, right? I mean, obviously the way it applies to your story and the way that it applies to my story or anyone else's is circumstantially going to be different, but it does come to that place of your consciousness and your, as you said, self-reflection, your awareness um, and the willingness to go inward and really press on that part that feels unfulfilled. And the discovery that happens in that process can be really quite magical. And as we were saying, sort of with the mindset of people really want immediate gratification, doing that type of inner work and and poking at those parts that are like uncomfortable to sit with, as you said, it's not an immediate change, right? It, it's sort of reassessing what you've come to know about who you are and what your life is and honing in on, 
if that is going to satisfy the parts of you that are telling you that you you're not receiving the things that you need, um, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm curious with the way that your practice has developed and it's obviously quite unique compared to what I think a lot of people consider when they think of yoga. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, I guess, what has the reception of that been like for you um, to kind of have this unorthodox philosophy around what it means to practice yoga and how to implement that more effectively? Well, I mean, first of all, because since I'm the stop stretching policeman, <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, about 30% of people really get it and have been waiting for an answer. I would say 30% of people are kind of like, eh, that's nice, I'll do it. But they also want to keep stretching, peace out. Um, and then, you know, 30% of people get really angry and say some really nasty things. So um, that just actually happened to me recently with this Instagram post, um, which I made a few videos to comment about, but it was just fascinating to see people's responses. And, and so a lot of people just come in attack mode. So I just kind of like bless them and mm -hmm. go on their way. But I've always been very authentic to the yoga tradition. Um, when people ask me what style of yoga I teach, I always say, I teach the authentic Himalayan tradition of yoga, which is basically to unite you with your higher calling in life, your life purpose. So yoga, yoga answers two questions, basically. I mean, this is in a nutshell, a big, <laughs> big nut, but a nutshell is like yoga is interested in helping us to manifest our life purpose, to live and manifest our life purpose. So that's the first part. And the second part is well, what's getting in the way of that? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or me, you know, I'm getting in the way of my own purpose. And so yoga then says, well, how do we get you out of your own way? Yeah. And like I said, that's in a nutshell. So for me, where this idea of stop stretching comes into it is, I mean, I say stop stretching because we are hurting ourselves. That's just effect. I mean, I could go down and list all the reasons why, but when we're stretching ourselves, ultimately we're going to lead to debilitating ourselves. My teacher, Greg always says, flexibility leads to instability and instability always leads to injury. And so when we kind of, so that's why, like, I start with stop stretching, like our goal physiologically and mentally in yoga is to get stable so stretching is the complete opposite of all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and then, and then, and then the Ayama principles come in because as we've kind of talked about already, that this body has to carry me through my life, you know, hopefully well to the end. Um, and so part of that is we have to take care of ourselves. And so that's kind of like where the Ayama, the applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation philosophy come into it. It works really well with the idea of this kind of Himalayan tradition perspective, because the goal is to make us stronger. 
you know, one of the, just as a side note, and I think it's worthwhile mentioning, like a lot of people go, well, what about the yogis in the Himalayas? And they're all practicing these as- asanas. Yeah, if we go back in history, they lived until 30 or 40 years old if they weren't killed by a landslide or hunger or um, freezing to death, you know? Uh, So, so many, you know, what are we comparing ourselves to? I'm 51 and I'm already, you know, would be considered a great sage in the Himalayan tradition, probably. And so, (laughs) you know, because of my age, not because of my knowledge, because of my age. So it be I, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's really important to keep perspectives. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, and the last thing I'm just going to say is like the thing that I, you know, as people are listening to this and they go back out into their own life, the most important question you have to start asking yourself in terms of like these different modalities um, cause you see somebody on, on Instagram showing, you know, this great hip opener or mm-hmm. whatever. And the question is, does this make me stronger? And so many people are so obsessed with like improving flexibility, which ultimately leads to making them weaker. So as as we kind of go through this part of the Yama philosophy is, does this make me stronger? Mm -hmm. Is it going to help my body become more stable and, and more resilient? And so that's, that's kind of like where I come from. And I start to look at things through that lens. Does this make me stronger or is this going to make me weaker? I think that's a great perspective to have. And I also feel like that question could be asked both related to those physical elements that you're talking about, but it's also related to how we are holding strength in who we are as people. And so I really love the marrying of those ideas, which I think yoga inherently has that element to it, as you're saying, right? With with the purpose um, associated to the physical acts that you're doing to um, to really honor your body, right? And, you know, so as we're kind of rounding out the episode here, I'd love to know, you know, what do you see for the future of, um, of your practice, but also just in general, do you see this kind of, do you feel like you are currently on the path of fulfilling your purpose the way that you you hope to be? I I definitely feel like I'm living in purpose. Um, I'm doing what I love. Um, And part of my purpose, I mean, part of my my purpose is very multi-level, but part of it is to engage people in thoughtful conversations. So right now I'm living in purpose, just talking to you. I love that. Um, I feel the same way. And, you know, it's something from my end that I've been so grateful for with this uh, podcast is how many different perspectives I've gained on so many things that I never would have thought to learn more about. And not because I don't have an interest, but only so many things naturally occur to us. And even though there's a shocking amount of things that I wonder, the things that aren't necessarily in my purview on a regular basis are things that without these conversations with people like yourself, I would be very limited in my perspective on understanding. So I I'm truly, truly grateful that our purposes have merged in this moment. <laughs> they coincided. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I noticed also that you have uh, on your website, I know that you have the immersion trainings that you do, but you also have the Yogi Club online. So 
Can you share a little bit more about that? So if any listeners are interested, they can go check it out. Yeah. I I mean, you know, people are listening. They want to become pain-free. Go to Amazon, look for Stop Stretching. Um, It'll be in the show notes. And and or go to my website, yogiaron.com, which is a gateway into everything I'm doing. But I created this online platform called the Yogi Club, which has been growing um, really nicely and steadily. And um, the goal of is like all the things I'm talking about is to start to systematically educate people about their bodies, about level of wellness, um, and to take people on that journey of understanding their body. And, and like I address things like knee pain and lower back pain and hip pain, but why are these things there? And so in a very kind of methodical, fun way, uh, part of the goal is to just give people more information or educate people and give them an applied experiential experience of their body. And so they understand, oh, those are my hip flexors. Oh, those are my mm-hmm. hip extensors and, and how it works. And so we have like the seven day pain-free series. People can access that. Um, there's also the 15 days, uh, 15 day dare to be pain-free challenge, um, which is a great thing. So there's lots of like, you know, things for people to take advantage of um, that are also gifts. And of course, get the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested in checking it out. I actually said this to somebody yesterday that I'm very much an audiobook person historically. Um, I probably the most that I've read was prior to ending my college career. But now that I have spoken to so many people who have books that I'm genuinely so interested in reading or listening to, it's like, I think I will be consuming more books in the la- in this year than I will have in the last decade. So uh, I'm, I'm so curious to just kind of get into that and really come away with a new perspective and, and sense of my own body and what I, what I want to be able to do to appreciate it more and also strengthen it to your point. So I really appreciate that, Aaron. And I definitely, however, I can continue to support this mission of yours. I'm happy to do so. And I'm just so glad we had a chance to spend this time together. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gang, that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck. And as Aaron said, you can learn more at yogiaaron.com and definitely check out the show notes so you can visit Amazon to get your copy of Stop Stretching. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. 
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast.